The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. Today, let's do Psalm 2. The book of Psalms, chapter 2. If you are there, say, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us here. Lord, as we commence the teaching of your word today, we declare the Lordship of Jesus into the air and we read the, these prophetic words as follows. Are we ready? Now let's read it loud. One, two, let's go. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cause from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, you shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment, take warning, O judges of the earth, worship the Lord with reverence, and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he not become angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. Amen. Thus we have declared the lordship of Jesus over this land. I said it to be established in Jesus' name. Amen. We, our eyes will see it. Amen. Indeed, Jesus is Lord over this nation. Amen. From the north to the south, from the east to the west, and every corner, every cranny, every square inch of this land, we declare that Jesus is Lord. Amen. And so it is established in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Before we sit down, quickly, let's take our declaration of understanding. Quickly. That the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. God's blessings is yours already today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. The Lord is good. Let's take our seats quickly. The book of Luke chapter 6 is where our teaching today will start from. What I've been looking at is the breath of faith. And what we mean by that is we are taking that from the book of James chapter 2, where James said, faith must have um, a, a manifestation. James said to us, that's why we are, we, are, we are using that, that faith must have a way it expresses itself, otherwise it's not genuine. And sorry, let me remind us of something I said before, that we're not doing this just for academic reasons. We are doing this because that's the only way you will know that you actually have faith. You hear know what I said? You have to check yourself. So anything you hear us discuss, go and check it. Like last time we talked about the fact that don't worry your head with long-term plans. That sufficient unto the day, that's what we call short-term plans. So we go out to be faithful in each day 
And we must learn how to sow our seeds. Please, let me just say that quickly again. We must learn how to sow our seeds. And that's what God wants from us, that we learn to sow the right seeds. So you constantly sow the right seeds. Please, allow me. I don't mean to be critical. This is just how it is. The fact is that it's not just money that is a seed. In fact, I think as a body, as believers, as, as, as preachers, we have overemphasized the side of money as a seed. We're having a family Bible study this morning. If I said something, my wife just shook her head. She wanted to collapse. <laughs> I said, one woman said, I'm about to take a seed from you. She was preaching. I'm about to take seed from you. You know, I'm a product of seed. I said, she's not a product of grace. That's why my wife felt like falling down. That how can somebody, as Paul said, I, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Somebody said, I'm a product of seed. You're not a product of seed. Apart from you're talking about your father and your mother's seed, that kind of seed to birth to your flesh. Jesus being the seed to give birth to the new creation, right? Beyond that, you're not a product of any seed. You're a product of what? Grace. And of course, the person was talking about is that, listen, you're going to give an offering. And what I am today is because of the offerings I have given. I told my family, I said, everyone say after me, and they all did. Maybe you can help me too. I said, nonsense. <laughs> and all of them said, nonsense. You're not a product of the money you have given. Aye, we all Father in heaven. Let me not start there again. We have overemphasized something until it has become a blatant lie. You are a product of grace. Don't ever forget that. Giving of money is good. Money can be a manifestation of sowing a spiritual seed. It can be. That's what I said. It's not the only thing. All right? Let's just bear that in mind. Please. You don't use money as a seed for everything. It's not everything you want. You go and plant a financial seed for it. That doctrine is wrong. Let's say it the way it is. That doctrine is wrong. It's not correct. Your offering does not tie God's hands. I've heard people say it before. You want to tie God's hands with an offering. That's an insult. What did I call it? Insult. Yeah, you're insulting God. So now be compelled. You can't change his mind. When he, like when that woman said, he said, I sold a Mercedes Benz. I killed my uncle. <laughs> that if you are sacrificing goat against me or cow, I am sacrificing a Mercedes Benz. I feel like the bros. PMS, premium auto spirits, petrol is not a seed in the heavens. Your diesel does not enter <laughs> the courts of God. The person who is sacrificing good is killing blood. You want to fight blood with oil. You've lost the game. You've lost. It's like somebody wants to come to battle with you. you bring, he brings gun. You bring king. Even if your name is David, better get a stone. <laughs> no, please, let's not. Um, I just feel like saying this because Christians hear the opposite so much. Once in a while, you have to remind them again. All right? Let's learn to sow the right seeds. The seed of faithfulness, we discussed last time. Life has two seasons. The season in which the Lord calls you and says, Occupy with this until I come. The other season comes in which he returns to see how much you have done with the manner that he gave you. Based on how you have done, he will now put you in a new position of responsibility. So we said we can't have long-term plans. We can have short-term plans based on what is in our hands right now. He gave you Mina, occupy with this. So make plans on how to do that. You don't know what he's going to do when he comes back. So I said our faith, one of the characteristics of it, if it's genuine, sometimes you look careless. 
you look like you don't have a long-term plan. And I said, of course you don't have, but you look as if you don't care about tomorrow. Of course you don't care about tomorrow. You've left it in God's hands. You're not anxious about it. It doesn't mean you don't want tomorrow to be good. You're just saying it's not my own strength that will produce it. It's the hand of God. So when he returns, he must find me faithful in that which he gave me to do today. We establish that each day has something. Look for that thing that day and focus on it. It's a sign of faith. It's a sign of faith. I've heard people say that, listen, I'm going to leave so much wealth for my children. They will be blessing me forever. You know the truth? It has no meaning. It has no meaning. Some of those children will wake up. When they grow up, the first thing they will do, as God will demand from them, is to give out everything. The amount of money you have left for them is not letting them think straight. All these people tell them like that. I say, if you want to prosper, I, I think um, there was one particular, uh, one of these very rich men, I, I don't know whether it's Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or one of them, one of those people, all right? One of those top billionaires in this world. He said he won't give his children the disadvantage of having so much money. So all his wealth, he has to give out everything while he's alive. He has settled everybody. Say, so this amount of money, I give it to you. Hey, yeah, no, that you won't be normal. And he's not like, no, he said, no, he's given out everything. So please, don't worry yourself. That's what I'm going to make. As believers, don't, let's not worry about it. It's one of the marks of faith. Remember, true faith sometimes makes you look like you are abnormal. And if you have never been confused with an abnormal person, yes, there's something you're not doing right. There's something you're not doing right. Sometimes the world teaches us the exact opposite of what God wants us to do. Many of these, our investment for our children is the exact opposite of what God wants us to do. Sometimes we strategize life so much that faith is unnecessary. Watch your life. That's how you are going. That you're not pleasing God. Some of us have, have been blessed by God, but we are planning for our children so that they will never have to pray. Yeah, that's what we are doing. And we don't know. And we think it's wise planning. And one of the ways you know you are not doing what is right is check it. Like I said the other time, the man who worships money is not somebody who puts, a, puts down the image of currency and starts bowing before it. That's not the person who's worshiping money. Just check the sacrifices you are making so as to get it. That's where the problem is. That's a sign of worship. So sometimes, am I doing what is right? Look at what you are denying today because you claim you, you know, you know, the tomorrow that you don't understand. It's important. It's a sign of faith. That we, anyway, we discussed that extensively last time. If anybody was not here, please listen to last week's message. In fact, we titled it The Carelessness of Faith. That's the title. It's a nice title. You don't seem to like it. You look unhappy about it. They're smiling now when I said it now. Uh-huh. The Lord is good. So our faith must have signs. There must be things that we do that indicate that really we are walking by faith. And like I said, it's not just for everybody else. That's not why we are doing this. It's for ourselves. I have to look at my life. Like Paul said, check yourselves to make sure you are still in the faith. People can just assume faith is still there when it is not. That's why you must learn to check yourself. All right, the Lord is good. So today, let's continue from there. All right, let's look at another sign of faith. We're going to read today from the book of Luke chapter 6. I want to start from verse 27. There are two things I have in mind. If one finishes, then we'll go to the second one. If it doesn't, we'll just stay with one. Let's start from the here, verse 27. He said, but I say to you who hear, that's part of the Sermon on the Mount, 
Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. That is one cheek. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And whoever takes away from takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. He said in verse 32, If you love those who love you, that is only, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend. Now, please, the point here is this. Do good not because of what you are going to get back. That's what he was saying. Not because of what people are going to do to you. Do you know a lot of human beings, they are very active in doing good. Do you know why? You never know tomorrow. That's an ungodly reason to do good things. One day I was in a church somewhere, and a man finished preaching. He was trying to encourage the Christians to give. So he spoke extensively on good works. And now says that, listen, that he helps people. And then one day, if his children need help, he will ask them, where are you? Maybe the person say, okay, I'm in Enugu. Ah, that's where Pastor Kemote is. All right, go and meet Pastor Kemote. Tell him, Mr. Ajande Koko, say you should help him. That he was the one that gave him a seed of 500,000 naira on the 25th of December, 2010. So he spoke that day, he talked extensively, the church, the whole church was quiet. So he was encouraging us to look, everybody, be a, be a giver, be generous, be, be, you know, just be spreading. So everyone was looking at him. So I didn't know, say, it's one brother. I was in that service, so I went out. One brother and I came after that time and said, good afternoon, sir. Good evening, sir. It was evening. I said, good evening. He said, please, what that man said, are you in agreement? I said, he was talking nonsense. He said, thank you, sir. <laughs> Listen, I mean, look, please, I told you, the days of being nice, they passed for me. The worst you will do to me is that you won't like me. You can't do anything more than that. You can't shoot me. Your bullet will enter into your own heart. It's in the Bible like that. So all this is I'm preaching. If you don't like it, it's your problem. You know, Fela was, he has a problem, but he was quite prophetic in some areas. You know, I quote his prophecies once in a while. Yeah, even Paul quoted, he said, even the Cretans, their own pro- poets. So amongst the go-smoking people, their own poets, their own prophet says something. Fela said, if you don't like, go and hang. He said, if you hang, you will die. Now, this is not the prophetic side. The prophetic side said, you will die for nothing. That's the prophecy. So if you don't like what I'm saying, it's your problem. I will say it. In fact, I'm feeling happy that you are unhappy. Shows your conscience is being pricked by what I'm preaching. Is that also if Yes. I told that brother that day. I, said, I just said in one glance, I said, he's talking nonsense. You know, the brother was, he said, thank you, sir. I just made it for you. And he walked away. And I started marking that man. Not somebody I know. If somebody that's close to me. If he said, ah, Pastor, do you want the cook? I said, no, I'm not testy. Thank you. <laughs> you can go and tell your grandchildren that when you are testy, go and meet Banky. I bought him a cook. 25 years ago. Go for B-Batty. 
No, you know, like you, you keep on saying that people are not taught. So let's teach them. Many people don't know it's wrong. It is wrong. You can't be doing good to anybody because you are hoping that one day they will do back for you. You should, you should take joy when the person does not know it was you. I mean, it's, it's not necessary. It's God that repays. And even that God said, if you do it so that God can repay, it's still a problem. Yeah, God doesn't want you to think of it. God wants you to do good without thinking of it, without remembering. Let it be somebody who will stop you one day and say, ah, do you remember me? You look and say, ah, the face is familiar. My face is familiar. My, my face, ah. You know, when I was in my final year, you came to our school. And then I just, we just started talking. And I, in the course of the gist, you asked me a few questions. Let's make it long story short, sir. You paid my final year school fees and gave me all the money I used for my project. And you gave me enough money to take care of myself because I had about four months to go. I had not paid the school fees. And you, know, and you are scratching your head and say, eh, I did. He said, yes, sir, you did. Said, we thank God. In your mind, maybe it's my look alike. Please, don't be tempted to quote it for God. You know, there are times you finish doing something good. Now go and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, and ask you for forgiveness for all these things I committed last week. You will still suffer. Because you did small good now. God must forgive you by force. You had better come, ask for forgiveness without anything else in your mind. Then you will get your forgiveness. But if you think, and maybe you just want two souls for the Lord. Ah, look at the person. This guy was a sinner. I preached to him. He's born again. This girl was a sinner. I preached to her. She's born again. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to ask you, no, Jesus is looking at you. Billy Graham, you are welcome. You know, <laughs> you, are feeling, you are feeling anointed and so you must be blessed. Nonsense. What did I say? Nonsense. Don't try that. As a Christian, it will get you injured. As a Christian, it will get you injured. God will withdraw some blessings from you so as to teach you a lesson. I'm not joking about that. I mean it in literal terms. The Lord will deliberately withdraw some blessings from you so as to teach you a lesson. Learn to do good as a habit. I hope you're getting my point. Learn to do good as a habit. Do your good without, without thinking of it. It's important you learn these things, please. Let's learn to do good without remembering we did anything. You should pray that God will help you forget everybody you have helped in this life. That is, uh, forget them as in, thank you, okay, I used to help this person. It's not necessary. From God comes your reward of the inheritance. I hope you're getting my point. Do good to all kinds of people, great, small, whatever. And the smaller, the better. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, people that you, in your mind, don't cross your mind that one day they will repay you. Maybe you travel to Kotangura. You're not planning to go back there again in your life. Do good there. And walk away. You travel to Hamburg. Why am I saying Hamburg? <laughs> Do good there and walk away. And don't be a, a glorified witch. You know, you know what I mean? Witch. You want to use your good works to manipulate people. Kenegin told a story. Beautiful story. When I say beautiful, for less you know, I don't mean that. The man doesn't think it's beautiful. The man that it happened to. So there's one particular man. He was the greatest giver in their church. The man was a great giver. Like if the church gathers money, I can't remember the proportion. If you want to do a project, maybe only him will put in about 80%. So the church wants to raise $100,000. Probably will give like eight. Everybody else give like 20%. Now that he, not, he was a rich man. He was a very rich man. In fact, they said when they went to their house, his house, palatial house like this. 
But because of the amount of money he was given in church, he felt he should have a voice. So they wanted to build a new church. And he said they should build in a particular way. So the pastor said, well, let's ask the whole church, maybe like the board of deacons, everybody, let's vote about it. So they said, okay, we are going to use a kind of architecture, not this type of architecture. So they voted. They chose one. The one most people in church chose was the one he did not want. The one he wanted, he didn't choose it. So the pastor said, all right, we'll go with the majority. I mean, like, so he felt that, no. Why, why, why are they not listening to him? The pastor is not doing as he said. So he decided to arrange to have the Vidikins vote out the pastor. Yeah, because you, you must understand, it's not uh, our own kind of Pentecostal settings. These days, those times, those, those places, most of those pastors belong to the, so most of the churches belong to the community. So the pastor is kind of hired, kind of, you know, so he comes, he can stay for some years. So you can actually vote out the pastor, we don't like him again. The board of deacons will vote and say, go. They fire the pastor. So he gathered everybody, in the, the elders in the church, to vote. So they all voted, and only two people voted to vote out the pastor. Everybody said, no, we like the pastor, he stays. So he got angry and stopped coming to church. And he stayed at home and got pneumonia. And the pneumonia began to spread until all his lungs were filled with fluid and he was going to die. He now sent for the pastor say, hey. No, those who say that, you know, God, listen, it's when God is not on your case. He's saying that God is not you know, only a good God. It is a good God to punish evil. The man got pneumonia. He was, just before he died, he was about to die now. All his wealth could not cure him. The doctors had labored. So finally, he sent for the pastor. His wife came and said, please, forgive my husband. So the pastor and this thing is now came to his house. Make a long story short. He, he apologized to them. He told them that he has realized that what he did was wrong in trying to control them because he's giving most of the money and that they should please forgive him. The pastor was so excited. He said, they should bring a bottle of oil. He said, he didn't know that. Instead of just anointing the man more, he poured the whole... <laughs> because he was obeying scripture. He said, is anyone sick amongst you? Let him call upon the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. The prayer of faith, the Bible says, will save the sick. All right? He said, the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he shall be forgiven. So that's what he was doing. That's why I called for the elders. So the pastor was so excited. He didn't know when he carried the whole oil and poured the whole thing on the man's head. Make a long story short. The man got healed on the spot. No, he didn't begin to recover. He got healed instantly. For information, that money was not his own. It was God's own. Those days, Bishop used to tell us, tell us something. I want to go for school of ministry with him. He said, don't tell anybody thank you if you give him money. He said, did you tell me thank you when I was preaching? That was his own logic. I preached, and you brought an offering. Eh? I've done my job, you've done your job. What's all this thank you for? So he prays for you, you go. There's nothing like thank you. And you know what? It's very funny. I checked my Bible. I never heard Paul tell anybody thank you. Go and read it. Not once. It's always thanks be to God for what you did. Do you get my point? <laughs> you will do something. He will say, thanks be to God. Because of this thing that you have done, much thanksgiving is arising to God. The man never told anybody thank you. Why should I thank you? When I can thank God? I will bless you. I will thank God. I think I have to learn that habit. I should go and write out my way of responding to <laughs> It's true. Because, no, we keep on improving. Go and check it. Paul will give thanks to God. Then he bless you. So that one that that man was mescaforming and flexing. 
That's why God had to do him like, I hope you understand me on form. It's a unique English. One day we write our own dictionary. There was misbehaving, nonsense. There's no reason to misbehave. We're talking about faith. As, as we're going on, we'll look at these things. Faith is, we said that when we're talking about the entrance of faith, is understanding of the spiritual. Faith is understanding of the spiritual. Realizing that nothing came out of you. It did not come out of you. It didn't come out of you. The money didn't come out of you. The willingness to give did not come out of you. The ability to give did not come out of you. All glory literally belongs to God. And it's not a joke. We're not trying to give God glory so that we will look nice. It's because he deserves it. It's because he deserves it. If, you're, if you give money, your money is not your own. You know, when you give your life to Christ, when you give your life to Christ, I hope you know what it means. It means you gave your life to Christ. You gave your sleep to Christ. You gave your waking to Christ. You give your certificates to Christ. You give your eyes to Christ. You give your toes to Christ. You give your intestines to Christ. You know the truth? You even gave him your sins. He collected everything. Jesus collects the whole thing. All the rubbish in your life, he collected joy. You gave your natural ability to Christ. Then he put his own supernatural ability. So two things there. One, if it's your natural ability that made the money, you have given it to Christ. You know, I, um, let me give an example, just to illustrate, for, so we know we keep learning. You know, there's this culture we have in Africa, which is, well, Nigeria, I believe a lot of Africans have it, which is very good. First time you earn money, who do you give the money to? Your parents. Uh, no churches want to collect it now. That's, don't give to them, please. No churches are very, very funny. Use the idea everything to collect everything. Uh-uh. What are you? <laughs> the Lord is good. So, <laughs> and that's your first food. See, let me just advise you now. That culture, stick with it like that. It's good. It's a, you know, I'll let you know if it's bad. It's good. First time you earn money, that whole month's salary, please, what they do in my own part of the country is not just your parents. It's your parents, actually, but they have this habit of sharing with your uncles, your aunties. Basically, they believe that these are all the people that God used, you understand, to to help you, to bless you. So choice of them is your parents, which is good. Now, you see where I'm going. When my wife was going to earn her first salary, do you know who she gave it to? Me. Do you know why? Once I paid bright price, I bought all... They didn't know... When you were drinking my drink, you didn't know what I was buying. He said, bring one, I brought it. No problem. Be drinking there. He said, bring bright price, I brought it. When the person, I told her, hey, wait, 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 wait. Now, you give your life to this guy. <laughs> yes, no. Now, I can now, you know, as a person, now go home to her parents. And, but you know the truth? Once they gave that girl to me, the birthright. You know my birthright now? Yeah, everything was given to me. When you say, bring drink, and I brought drink, you're drinking, you're drinking away your first salary. <laughs> And it's a spiritual, I explained to my wife that time, that no, the right no longer belongs, okay, to them. Now belongs to the husband. Do you get my point? All right? Now, so please remember that culture is good. And please, Mr. Husband, when you are collecting it, please have sense also. You understand? Still go and appreciate those who 
Yeah, who blessed you with your wife. Even though that dowry is appreciation, but you know, you just have more sense than that. You keep coming back. Just by the way, God has helped me in that area. Every time, I never forget my parents in law to keep on telling them thank you. I did one funny one. One did I tell you? <laughs> on my, on our 10th anniversary, I gathered all my friends again. We went to go, as if we were coming to beg for a wife. We brought yam again. You brought things. And then one of them made a speech that, like the first time. My mother and Lord looked and said, Banky, you are very funny. We just had fun with it. I think it was, was it our 10th anniversary? Around that time. We just said, no, let's do this thing again. We, we got, I gathered a number of my friends now, big people. I gathered them. They came to the city room. I told them, please, one of my friends wants to see you. So they came down, and they saw men standing there. And one of them got up, made a speech, thanked them for 10 years ago that their friend here was suffering and lonely, but they, they, they saw his suffering, and then they freed him for his suffering by giving him a wife, and they thanked I mean, they thank them for the kind of wife they gave, how she has been a blessing to him. At the end of the day, we said, I know, know Niger Delta now, so we had cola, we had wine, we had wedge, you know, called wedge. Each person came forward and wedged it, and then we made our speech, and then they left. It's good. Give honor to whom honor is due. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, that's the way, but you get what, I'm just going to explain something here. Let's get back to our message. So Jesus, all right, we gave him our life. That's why I told that story. Now everything belongs to him. So if you give him money in Koto, you didn't give him money, you run an errand. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, you, you actually are giving an errand. Then you are giving him money. It's not your money, it's his money. It's like, it's like I go to the bank and the cashier gives me 5000 out of my account and I should tell him thank you. To look at that, I, I, I would do 5000 I gave you now. I'm not going to do something for me. I'll have you sacked. I'll call your manager, Uli. See, one thief is here. You are getting my point. It's not your money. It's my money. I put it in the account. You just happen to be a custodian. So you disburse it the way I want. So if I do something for the Lord, that is the attitude. This one that we keep on preaching, that when you give to God, you now hold the check and say, Lord, is a is false doctrine. It's based on wrong premises. Unless you haven't given your life to Christ. If an unbeliever comes to church, gives an offering, and I say, Lord, you will pay me back. Let's say maybe it might make some sense. But is a believer, the doctrine is wrong. Why? The money is not yours. The money is absolutely not yours. Sometimes I tell wives also, they don't understand. So I've seen women talk sometimes. I've just been shaking my head. I tell my wife, this guy, this guy doesn't understand anything. So you see, everything I know, I'm, like, they're trying to give you an impression that they are good women. Once I just get money, I just give to my husband. Like, uh-huh. And so, so, what were you planning to do before? We should come and praise. Come and sit down. That will be displaying foolishness in the open. Some people don't know. You know when they are just talking in the public? You know, it's, a, it's a women's meeting. And they want to show how good they are. Some will tell you that 70% of my money I just give to her. I say, oh, you hold it 30% for who? For the devil? You don't understand. When they, you know, perhaps they married and were what? Given. You were given. That leg used to go to that office. The man who, the Bible says it belongs to him. They don't to be proud of. Don't brag on it. You're just being normal. And if it's 70% you are doing, there's a problem. 100% belongs to everybody. Now, what did I say? Everybody. But the man also understands. The Bible says there's nothing he owns that does not belong to the wife. What we just learn is how to be responsible in financial management. I'm helping my husband with what? No, don't help him. 
Let your husband suffer. Who else will suffer? It's not the two of you. Let me not start talking marriage matters now. Sometimes Christians behave as if they are unbelievers. They they want to run marriage as if they are unbelievers. I I have something. The reason why my wife can't wear this my shirt is that it's not her size. Otherwise, it's her shirt. I hope you get my point. And if you see her, see, see her in my shoes, it wouldn't look nice. Will it look nice? <laughs> That's the reason why she can't wear my shoes. And if I now come here looking, cool, cool. <laughs> you know you were wrong. What has happened to this man of God? Our man, our man of God is not wearing female shoes. Look at this one man of God. He's wearing female shoes. <laughs> That's why we don't share those things. That's why we don't share those things. Otherwise, everything belongs to both of us. The Lord is good. That's just an aside. So, back to, I know where we got into that. We're not going to our message. We're just, um, we're just, um, gist is good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good to gist, all right? Let's get to the teaching now. We're finished gisting for a while. Which verse will stop? Yeah, so let's continue for verse 35. But love your enemies and do good and learn. Expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, that is, with the Father. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Now notice this, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Now it doesn't mean don't critically appraise anything, please. It means don't condemn, that's what I'm trying to say. Don't pass judgment, because the, next, the very next word explains it further. And do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Or forgive. Some translations we use, that's verse 37 here. It says, forgive others, and you will be forgiven. That's New Living Translation I just read now. Forgive others, you will be forgiven. The next line says, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Uh, let me just stop reading here and then continue what we have been teaching about the breadth of faith. Now, the, actually, I just like to read in context. The message for today is on the forgiveness issue as a sign of faith. And I need to explain that again. Remember, we said when we're talking about entrance of faith, that faith is, the, is understanding of what? The spiritual. And then in life, you make up your mind how you want to live. Please, I want to repeat this thing we have taught here and there, okay, here many times. But so, please pardon me if I sound like this, I'm repeating myself, but it's just so important. In life, you make up your mind how you want to live. What I mean is this. You choose the realm by which you want to walk. You either walk by faith or you don't walk by faith. If you want to walk by faith, it's a determination. Let me give an example. It's like you decide now that this is a kind of, um, maybe you want to be dressed in a particular fashion. Maybe you want to start dressing like a corporate gentleman, wearing a suit, wearing a tie. It's a decision you make. I hope you're getting my point. All right, so you change your wardrobe in that regard. Or you decide this is the kind of food I want to start eating. Maybe I'm dieting. They said I should go on, is it keto they call it? Keto. What's the name of keto anyway? And there are all kinds of diets. Let me not go there. Yeah, mostly most of them are confusion. Everybody writes their own. And when you have influence, write your own diet book. People who just think that you know what you're saying, they will follow you too. After eight years, they will get tired. Let me not do that. The point I want to make from there is this, all right? A day comes, you make up your mind, this is what I want to do. They say, this diet is good for me. Then that day, you start. 
Some people, they say, okay, don't eat anything that is cooked before 2 o'clock. You've not seen things like that before? So it's a decision you make, just like you wake up one day, choose a particular diet form. That's what I'm trying to say. In the same manner, you make up your mind one day to walk by faith. You make up, see, it's a decision. Now, let me say this. It's not just imagination. It's not as if, uh, how do I say it now? Okay, let me say something else. When you wake, make up your mind to walk by faith, you actually invoke a, a kind of flow of divine power into your life. Let me give you an example. Life we know basically is not a game of chance. I hope you get my point. But when you choose to walk by faith, that the fact that life is no longer is not a game of chance becomes real to you. So that listen to this, what I'm by making a choice to walk by faith. If you just throw something up, maybe a coin, yes. Let, let me explain this. Yeah, this would be a good uh, illustration for it. Israel as a nation were taught to walk by faith. When they wanted to know the mind of God, they would cast lots and expect God to speak in the lots. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That is, God has not spoken. They said, let's hear God. So they'll say, ordinary coin, like toss a coin. Bring a coin. They will toss a coin. Head or tail. So they draw their algorithm. Left, let's start like this. All right, let me give an example now. They say, all right, um, who stole something from Jericho? All right, everybody gather. So divide themselves into 12 tribes. Maybe they'll just take 10 stones, five of them, uh, ten, nine of them, 11 of them white, one of them black, they put in a bag and toss it around. So everybody pick one. Then the leader of that tribe will pick. Anybody that picks the black stone, they say, it's your tribe. It's okay, how many families do you have there? How many segments? It's okay. There are ten segments. Who's the leader of each segment? They bring ten people out. They do it again. Then they get to the family of Achan. And then they will dip in the bag again, and the thing will pick Achan. And Joshua will call Achan, please, tell me the truth. What happened? They will find that Achan was a thief. And they were not guessing. And everything they did was a game of chance. But their faith had taught them that even though it looks like chance, God is guiding where it will get to. I gave an illustration. Please, this is very important. Follow me. I gave an illustration here before about Samuel. I discovered recently myself. Israel came to Samuel one day and said, we want a king. So Samuel said, it's not the, I don't think God wants to do that. They said, that's what we want. These Ammonites are disturbing us. God, we don't have a standing army. We need a king. So Samuel said, no problem. He went to God. God said, look, listen. Listen to them. Forget them. Just listen to what they are doing. They are saying, we'll give them a king. I'm not happy about it. They've rejected me from being their king. But it's all right. Get them a king. So you know the story, don't you? So what happened? God said, I'm going to send you the king. He said, by this time tomorrow, now follow this. You will see a young man who arrived with his father's servant, and they'll be looking for some donkeys. And of course, they kept on looking for donkeys, Saul and his father, the son of Kish, and his father's servant. And they were looking for the donkeys. Finally, they go to the place where Samuel would be. They say, oh, there's a prophet around here, a seer, they called them those days. So they went to the seer. And the seer said, once when they saw him, the Spirit of God told Samuel, that is the person the Lord has chosen. I'm trying to make the story brief, okay? And then he told Saul, the Lord has chosen you to be king over his people. Now, this is where I'm going. He did not impose him on them. Then he gathered Israel, and they began to cast lots again. 
He didn't impose. There was no why you in it. All right. I don't know how they used to cast their lots. Maybe it's, they toss a coin or they cut sticks and say, okay, pick the short stick. Whatever it is, they began to do that. Do you know, without interference from someone, it also led to Saul. So it confirmed for them that it was God. Now, I'm going to say something here. It seems like chance, right? But we know it was God. What they, the method they used will have been what you and I will call chance. But it was God. Please, what I'm saying is very important. When we choose to walk by faith, by that you convert even things that should be chance in your life to the work of God. I hope you're getting my point. See, other people, for them, it might be chance. Let me give an example. If I'm going on the road and my tire goes down, I don't think it's chance. I don't think it's chance. I stop, I come down, look at the tire, and in my mind, Lord, why is it important I stopped here? That's the way I reason. Why is it important that I stop here? I may not know why, but I know there's a reason. I'm convinced my car's tire doesn't go down. By chance. You can have your long explanation of, um, it was because you went by the construction site. You know that time you went to look for Bishop. They told you it was at one site. And you went there. You picked a nail. As far as I'm concerned, I understand that every bit of my life is arranged by God. Why did I have to go and look for him where, where there are nails? It's not a game of chance. You know, one of the things I've discovered, don't worry, may God help you to understand what I'm about to say. Even though you've heard me say it before. People say, God can't change the past. Me, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. He can change the past. If I went somewhere yesterday, I'm not supposed to go there. And it's today, I'm not supposed to go there. God will cancel my going there. The person I went to see will even forget I came. Even me will forget, will forget I went. Even Google will not be able to record that I went. God will wipe it off from Google, wipe it off from Apple servers, wipe it from my memory. Of course, and if you know, the way, if you know life, if you know the, the quantum principles of life, if nobody remembers it and it's of no consequence in today and tomorrow, it never happened. Yes. No, that's how the, Oh, if you know life, that's how life is. I don't want to spend too much time digressing. Did they understood this? When people said that the world, the earth started 4.7 billion years ago. But the Bible said, in all those arguments, I realized that they don't mean anything. Because God can create one billion years in one second. I pray you get that. That is what took a billion years, what scientists will analyze to be a billion years, God will do it in one second. Analyze from that to tomorrow to be recording one billion. Even quantum physics understands it. Quantum mechanics will explain to you that measuring who understands physics enough to help me with this? That the principle is that once you measure it, you alter it. That trying to measure, measurement alone alters it. Now, let me explain something to you. The human spirit is part of the fabric of this creation. That's why this, what philosophers used to say, that doesn't seem to make sense. Now I understand it makes sense. They say if a tree falls in the forest and there's nobody to hear, it doesn't make any sound. Have you ever heard that philosophical argument before? If a tree falls in the forest and there's nobody to hear, it doesn't make any sound. The common sense in that, of course, it makes sound now, but the fact that you are there, you are not there, does that make it don't make any sound? You don't know philosophy. You don't know advanced life. If you did, that, your answer, it doesn't make sense. In fact, what's the name of this our guy? Hmm? Ravi. Ravi's answer is that because God is there to hear it, he made a sound. That's the only answer he can give. That your 
absence does not mean the absence of God. I'm not saying something here. Forget some of the people like Pastor Michael, what are you talking about? This summary of what I'm saying. God can change the past. <laughs> and what I'm going to say is that it's not so difficult to imagine. You know how powerful he is. So you toss a coin up. It doesn't just land anywhere it wants to land. God will tell the angels. When you say head or tail, the angels will go to the Lord and say, head or tail. God will say tail. The angels will say tail. Now, they are not discovering. They are deciding. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point. You are deciding. You are discovering. They are not deciding. So when he tosses up, head or tail, God says, head. It is not checking. He's telling the coin, land and expose the head. And that's why the decision of the coin, Solomon said, is with God. You are ordinarily casting lot, but the decision is by God. Please, you see where I'm going. Make up your mind you want to walk by faith. And how do you walk by faith? You start interpreting your life by faith. Our book, um, we walk by faith, yes. Yeah, walk by faith. In it, I explained, all right? That one of the things you need to do as a person, okay, as a believer, I, I, I taught in one of our series before on faith, is to settle down and decide that I will understand my life by faith. When you do that, it's not just, you're not, you're not psyching yourself. You actually really are releasing the power of God into your life so that even if something happened last week and you made the decision to walk by faith today, the power of God goes back into last week and makes the thing conform to faith. I pray you understand how powerful God is. Let me tell you another one. God is so powerful. Oh, Father God. He's so gracious. He's so full of mercy and his ability that he can make mistakes look like intentional actions designed to further your destiny. Meanwhile, it was a sin. I don't know whether you heard what I said. You will do something that is wrong. And you, he will punish you for it. Then he will forgive you after he has made your ears to see pepper. And I say, Lord, forgive me. Say, I will forgive. Don't worry. Then when he finishes forgiving, your prosperity and your destiny will be hinged upon the mistake you made. And you start wondering, Lord, I thought it was an error. He said, leave it. That's called the power of resurrection. I've turned what was evil. I've turned it to good. In fact, the new danger will be, we want to tell people, say, listen, if you want to have your destiny, just go and commit. God says, hey, that's not... <laughs> No, that's how powerful God is. You know, the major thing recorded against David was what? Adultery and murder. The main sin actually was cover up. It was not the adultery, it was not the murder. It's he that hides his sin. He committed adultery was bad. But God could have tackled that. But now decided to cover it. Ah, say he that covers his sin will not prosper. That was his problem. But that's not what I'm talking about. When God was done with dealing with him, the man suffered. Though. Hey, please, let's clarify this. Some people believe that you just go and tell God sorry, and that is all. Listen, it is all as long as you do not plan it ahead of time. If when you wanted to do this, you say, Lord, I will say sorry. Forget that sorry is never acceptable. Your nose will inhale. Have you ever deep snuff with ground pepper? Try it. Please, if you're under 18, don't try it. It's for adults. You know, because deep in snuff. 
let's admit to our American brethren, snuff is, no, they know snuff. Ah, snuff. Snuff is an international iniquity now. I mean, why are you making it look like everybody does? <laughs> Imagine that they put ground pepper. You know, this tiny, tiny pepper, they dry the ground, and you take and do snuff. That is what happens when you dare God. I say, I know what I'm doing is bad. I will do it first, and you will forgive me. That's all right. You will, t- you will show me where I said I can be mocked. Behold, God shall be mocked. No. That is when you know the meaning of whatever a man sows. And when you are reaping, reaping, don't germinate, don't multiply. One corn like this, you drop them. By the time you finish, you multiply. You know what I mean? You have at least two. And each one, you know how plenty. It's one corn, one grain. Don't try God. If you know it is bad, don't do it. Don't count. If you want to do it, there's no problem. Just get ready. Say, Lord, which side are you going to flog? Tell him sorry. Anyway, let me not start that now. That's what happened to David. David suffered. He didn't suffer for this sin. Adultery was not a sin. He did deliberate cover up. That was what God punished him for. But after a while, judgment was spent. Wrath has been expended. Mercy was now prevailing. Uriah was dead. You know, when God finished with the, with the whole thing, of all the wives David had before that, none of them gave birth to a boy who could take the throne. The only person that gave birth to a boy that could take the throne was a wife he collected in a funny way. I hope you're getting my point. Please don't go and steal your neighbor's wife thinking that's how you will prosper in your family. What I'm trying to explain to you is that when God finished forgiving David, it appeared like that. It appeared like, ah, what if he did not take Bathsheba? Is it Adonijah that will be king? Ah, no. Absalom. You know that guy was loving the worst of the lot. If that guy, no, no, sorry. Amnon was worse than Absalom. Of David's children, I think Amnon was the worst, followed by Absalom. That's why they were killing each other. The only person that could take the throne was born as a result of that iniquity that David, David committed. What people don't understand, like, how should, no, what God did was, when he had finished forgiving him, he blessed him in such a manner that we look and say, wait, oh. so it was good that he did what he did. But you know the truth? It's still bad that he did what he did. But when God forgives and injects the power of resurrection, God will turn what was a bad thing to start looking like a good thing. You start looking like a good thing. The person's life will now be difficult to use to teach. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You tell people, don't do like this. Tell young boys, younger, don't do this. They say, oh, but this person did it. Look at where he is now. You don't know, say, God, please, oh, you have to solve this problem because, <laughs> because these young people are thinking that this is how it goes. They will not know the depth of work the Lord did. That is actually what is called the power of resurrection. Again, trying to let you know that past to God is not past, it's present. What it looks like is God can listen, we'll, we'll turn that thing around. That's why the way the world celebrates some things, say you don't get it. It's, it's backsliding that's making all of these things. You know, they're, they're, uh, come and pay reparations for something that happened 200 years ago. The white, I say, listen, walk with Christ. Walk with God. The evil that happened 200 years ago, you look at it and all you will see out of it is good. Not that people are still hurting 200 years later. They are still angry. You know why? They are not following the Lord. Please bear all these things I've said in mind. It's important. It's a foundation for what I'm going to explain. 
about faith today. All right? Let's go back to the issue of forgiveness as a sign of faith, therefore. We're reading something here. He said, forgive. Now, why do we forgive? Or what I want to talk about is why you forgive as a sign of faith. It's simple. It is because you understand that your life is in God's hands. Let me, okay, let me ask you a question. Are you angry now? Let's be honest about it. That somebody beat Jesus Christ and nailed him to the cross. Are you angry? Why are you not angry? That's Jesus, your Lord. You don't love him again. Think about that Roman soldier that took the gentle Jesus, pinned him to the wood, and took, maybe you should go and watch Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. And he took that hammer and that long, rugged nail. And he hit it, penetrated the hand. Because you know it's not once. I just estimate maybe like six or seven hammering per hand. Did you see the witch's room? She was catching cold. They're just thinking about it. Just thinking about it, she's catching cold. They went to the second hand. I want to, I want it to be dramatic so that it will be paining you. They went to the second hand. Don't forget his back had been beaten. It's not as if they came out from the bathroom in the morning. And you know the way Americans execute people. They sit down, they give you first for your last meal. You order the food you want. I don't know why people bother to eat that kind of thing. It's not going to digest. I mean, you give your last meal. Then you lie down. And they put you to sleep. They not kill you in your sleep. That's how they execute people. You know that? They give thiopental sodium. This is the same drug they use for anesthesia in hospital. The only difference between you and the person that is a kid that after hospital you wake up. The person sleeps off. And then after one, they give another injection to relax all his muscles. They give a third one to stop the heart. Three injections and then the heart will stop. And the doctor will come and check. Make sure he's dead. And they wheel him out. That was not how they executed Jesus Christ though. They did not give him his last anything. They beat his back and peeled it. And they carried the cross. They made him carry that cross up to Golgotha. It was a hilly place, so it was work. Then they put his, his raw back on the rough wood. Don't think they used HDF to make the wood. You know what's HDF? This shiny plywood that you see. No. This was rough wood. Then they hammered one hand. Ah, it's not paining you. I want it to pain you. I want to sit on your face as you are feeling, yeah. Ah, Mogwe, yeah. Then they hammer the second hand. That's not the one that's most painful. Then I hammer the two feet, bending one on top of another. And that was the most difficult to hammer. Yeah, would you thank you very much? I like the way you are responding. That's what I want. And they hammered it and hammered it. And do you know, they now raised it up. It's the most excruciating death that they ever invented does it to punish people. Because if they, if they behead you, it's quick. Some, some, some people will take a whole day or two to die. Slowly. I like the way you are looking. It's paining you. Yes, it should pain you. Breathing was very hard because the hands were stretched out. Normally you exhale without effort. 
you can inhale with a bit of effort. Then once you just relax, the air goes out. In his own case, to squeeze out the air, he has to squeeze his stomach <laughs> and push his legs up because the hands are stretched out fully. So they are always in the inhaled position. I think we should look for the Romans and kill them slowly, one by one. Look for the Sanhedrin and hang those ones. <laughs> Chop them up to bits. Uh, do you follow my point? Yeah, it's annoying. In fact, one guy sued the Roman Empire. <laughs> was it two years ago, three years ago, in Kenya? That was illegal execution. He went to court and filed a long case. Mama, who are you suing? Pilate. <laughs> which emperor are you suing now? Of course, they threw out the case. They go, but which kind of case is this one? But think about it. It's a very bad thing, really. It's bad. Nobody should do that to anybody. If you want to kill somebody, kill him easily. Just shoot him in the chest. It had to bleed out in a few minutes. And he's dead. Why am I doing all of this? I've taken how many minutes now? I'm looking for how to make you feel worse, but I don't have any other method. So let me, let me leave it there. Why are you not angry? That's where I'm going. Why are you not angry? If you see the Romans that did it that day, you look and say, oh boy, you were part of executing Jesus. You know, you'll be looking at him with respect. You know that? Yeah, if you saw one of those soldiers now, you know, it's with respect. Eh? You were there. Wow. Your mother was beat him. My God. You feel like honor. And like, you know, you'll be going to greet him up. Good afternoon, Mr. Uh, Polinus. Or tr- tr- Trophimus. Hello. I heard you're a Roman soldier in the execution of Jesus Christ. And he says, yes. Ah! You're like, oh, respect. Even if his great-grandson you saw now, you're like, your great-grandfather joined him to crucify Jesus? You know, I feel like you're not angry. No, are you angry? Where are the angry ones? Put up your hand. What you have for them, and if they bring that hammer and put it up for sale, the world will pay. The highest bidder will pay like 25 billion. You know how many millions they are, pay, they are, they are paying for ordinary canvas that uh, Michael Jordan used to jump? They say that, uh, what's the name of this guy? What's the name of that guy that is an, an architect, is an artist, is everything? Da Vinci. If they find Da Vinci's sheet of paper that he used to write his wife a note, they will sell it for $10 million. So if you find that hammer, they used to hammer Jesus' feet and take it to this soda bees, whatever they call those guys that, that auction in you know, in, in London or more. The auction will still be going on till today because they, they can't finish. One is 1.5 billion. Somebody will say 1.6. Another one say, ah, the hammer that hammered Jesus Christ. No, $2 billion. Men will sell all they have. In fact, the church will gather and say, we need it. <laughs> the church will gather. The only problem with the church is that, and if it's the Catholics, oh, Barry, oh, Lord. They put in a cage. Who would they pray? <laughs> ah, my Catholic brethren, they're fantastic. They can worship relics. Hey! They can, ah, ah. That's why God, is been said, this is the tomb. nobody knows the tomb of Jesus. You know why? God says it's, it's not safe. If we allow anybody to discover it, we'll start church, we'll fight wars over the tomb. So Jesus said after that, but just nobody, nobody knows. All that one you see in Jerusalem now, Bobo, all of them. They all make money making inventions. Why am I talking all of this? I'm saying, why are you not angry? 
They treated your Lord like that. Why are you not angry? I'll tell you. It's simple. Because you already understand the eternal plan of God. And how it has worked out in your life. Why are you not angry? That's why you are forgiven now. Why will you be angry with a man who God used to best for you forgiveness of sins? Why will you angry? Why will you be angry with the person who God used to redeem you from all the causes in your life? Yes, he meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I hope you are getting my point. He said, "Okay, what if they didn't do that to him? I will still be in my sins." Please, I hope you are getting the logic here. Now, that was what happened to our brother Joseph. Open your Bibles, Genesis chapter fifty. Please, I'm being deliberately dramatic. Genesis chapter 50. Of course, there are many portions of this. I just want to read one. Verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father charged us before he died saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you. Now, these were old men. Don't forget that. These were old men at this particular point in time. They were not young. He said, um, which verse? I just keep jumping. Yeah. Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, this transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. They were saying. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. What did Joseph do? What did he do? Answer me now. He was heartbroken. It pained him that anybody would bring up this issue. Why? Look at the next line. Verse 18. Then his brothers also came and said, and also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Why? For am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. So, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Hmm. Do you know why he could do that? It's simple. It's the same reason you are not angry with it. Despite the dramatic picture I painted. You are not angry with the Romans who crucified Jesus Christ. You understand what happened. You understand that it needed to happen. You understand that they did not try to make it happen. You understand that whichever soldier was involved that day was just, can I use the word for a moment, unlucky to have been the one on duty. There was nothing personal. Jesus had to be crucified. The decision was made literally thousands of years before that. The date was set. You must understand that. The date for the crucifixion of Jesus was set. The season was determined. Things were done ahead to anticipate that date. The date of the deliverance of the people of Israel from captivity in Egypt was set according to what that date will be. I hope you are getting my point. Do you know the place was set? Abraham had to come there first to sacrifice Isaac. It was the same place. It was not a game of chance. Abraham had to come there first. Other people had to come there first to prepare the place for the ultimate sacrifice. 
That was the greatest sacrifice the world ever saw. You must understand this. Every time the African slaughtered a goat those days to the gods that he did not understand, he was looking forward to that day. I hope you are getting my point. Do you know there are people who sacrifice even their children because they were looking forward to that day? They didn't understand. What am I going to say? There was no need to be angry or there is no need to be angry with anybody because they did not know what they were doing. So that was why Jesus could say convincingly. He wasn't plain when he said, forgive them, Father. They do not know what they are doing. I can say this to you. I'm not joking about it. That was not why Judas died. No, why should Judas die for helping us with this great sacrifice? It would not have been nice for God to use Peter to do that kind of job. So they look for a man who had died already. I pray you understand that. A man of iniquity, a man of sin, who had done evil. So God condemned him for his evil and said, don't kill him yet. So what do we do with him? Put him in the ministry. Let me not digress. Get one one digression away from my mind now. But let me sit on my message. A lot of clowns all over this country. God had already killed them. Yeah, before they came into prominence. They are walking corpses, zombies, you don't know. Judas was one of them. You think Judas could repent? No, I'm sorry to say, he couldn't. There was no chance in a hundred trillion that Judas would refuse to betray Jesus. God doesn't take such chances. The moment he entered into ministry, he was done. Before he was brought in, they had killed him spiritually. He was supposed to have died. But the Bible says, Paul was explaining to the Romans that God endured the vessel of wrath. So he was enduring all the stealing. In ministry. Every time he stole money, Jesus knew. And some people that may have known, I said, why don't you sack him? Say, ah, we can't sack him. This beautiful thing they want to do, it involves him. But he's a bad man. Yes, who else will betray us? You want me to tell Peter to come and betray me? Or John? Oh, my gentle John. John was a nice, you know, there are disciples that when they go out, you don't know when they will come back. John used to go home regularly. Why do you think Jesus said, Behold thy mother? He said, If I give my mother to Peter, Mary will suffer. That is, Peter will not remember anybody. <laughs> and, dead, and dead him to John. He was a nice guy. He was very homely. He helped you cook. John used to wash plates, wash your cloth iron for you. Hey, look, I said, Behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. Please don't follow Thomas. Thomas won't be sure where you are. What am I going to explain? So you see, we couldn't have used John. So who do we use? A vessel of dishonor. A vessel of wrath. That was why um, Judah suffered the way he did. It was not that, there wasn't that period he committed his sin. He was already dead before he came into that season. Please, I'm explaining something here. You and I are not angry. Why? Because we know it had to be. 
Why? Because we understand that all things work together for good. We have been, it has been shown to us how it worked for good. In the life of Joseph also, it has been shown to us how it worked for good. So it was easy for us to understand what Joseph was saying. It was easy for us to get it why Joseph shouldn't be angry. It was easy. Let me be honest with you. Joseph was a disciplined young man who God taught very well, I know. But if the brothers had shown up while he was in prison, said Judah, so we meet again. What goes around comes around. They're now in jail too. Look at him, oh. These are the people that sold me into slavery. But God said, no, let your, I will let your forgiveness mature. You won't see them now. He saw them after the plan of God had been executed in his life. And But you know, you understand something here? God doesn't expect us to walk that way. What I'm trying to say is that the plan doesn't have to fully manifest for us to understand. He has given us enough. That's, now listen, that's what the Bible calls the cloud of witnesses. Joseph is part of the cloud of witness. They've taught us forgiveness. Because through their lives we have seen that indeed all things work together for good. To them that love God. And those who are called according to his purpose. There's a reason why I began from where I began from. That you must make up your mind to walk by faith. Just accept this thing as a decision. That's like Kirk Franklin said. No matter what may come my way. My life is in your hands. Now, what am I saying? That is the basis of forgiveness. Everything I've said today now is the basis for forgiveness. Two major things. One, that God is working. And even though it looks like chance for your life is not chance. Number two, even if you arrive at that knowledge late, don't forget. For God, the past can still be touched. The past can still be touched. You know, recently I watched a man on TV. I, 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 Try to catch his name. That's um, sometimes the earlier this year, maybe about three, four months ago. Yeah, it should be about the four, five months now. I tried to catch his name. I forgot it, but somebody reminded me of it. When I, I told this story somewhere, somebody told me that, no, this is, one pres- this is this person. So I will try and get that man's name again. I forgot the name, but I know where to catch the name. I know where to go and find it. Now, this man is the first person I've ever heard speak the way I've been speaking. That don't worry about the past. That to God, is, the past is still present. The man told a story. He used to preach to people. Sometimes people would come, narrate some terrible things that happened. You know, abuse and, you know, all kinds of traumas in their past. And one of the things he used to do is that he kind of takes you back to that place. And says, let's go back there with Jesus Christ. That's how he used to heal people. You tell him the whole story, say, no problem. All right? So for God, is still present. So we are going to heal. So let's take Jesus into that experience. And that's how people were getting miracles. All kinds of miracles through his ministration. There's a particular one he told, which is one I want to tell. There was a lady he was talking with, and that lady was, you no, know, she had deep pains in her heart. And what was it that happened to her? Make a long story short, her parents, both of her parents, perished in the same uh, plane crash. So the thing gave her trouble for, that is, for years. She was finding it hard to sleep, you know, emotional disturbance and all of that. So when I was talking with this man, Anyway, now came to the point that she understood that that was her problem. That her parents died in the plane crash. And she kept on worrying for them, like, how would they have felt? You understand? What happened to them? Were they in pain? All those kind of things. So just talk to the ladies, all right? You know what we're going to do? We're going to go back to that moment with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's invite Jesus into that moment. Now, don't ask me how he does it. We just pray simply with people. And they just bow their heads. 
and say, Lord, look, these are the issues we have. This is your daughter here. She's sick because of the experience of her parents dying in a plane crash. And she's really worried for how they must have, what they must have passed through. Let's make a long story short. He suddenly had a vision. And he saw the woman. Now, please, let me not make the story, but whether he had a vision or she had a vision. But something became clear. Saw the parents sitting down. Very calm as the plane was crashing. The woman held the wife's hand and told her, don't worry, the Lord will take care of us. Make a long story short, they died not in pain. Not, in fact, basically, they were just translated. They didn't go through the experience. Ah, Nothing like that. They were calm until they died. So, I don't know whether he's the one that saw that or the lady did. So that calmed her down. But to prove, I think he was the one, and told her what happened, maybe what the father was wearing and stuff like that, and described a particular ring the man had in his, on his hand. And the lady remembered, yes, my father used to wear this kind of ring. He said, all right. You know, they went to the crash site and found the ring lying down there. 11 years after. Oh, the crash, crash was not yesterday. It was nothing less than a decade after. They went to the crash site. They were just walking around. Next thing she bent down and picked her father's ring. That was how she was healed permanently. So she realized that what the man said was not a joke. Do you get, I'm talking about nothing less than 10 years. I think it's 11 years after. She picked the ring right there. As if God kept it as a souvenir. Listen, I took care of your parents. Remember the story I told that I heard it happen? This happened, I think, last year in Nigeria here, northern Nigeria. One sister that was going on the road, suddenly heard the voice of the Lord say to her, I will take care of your father, don't worry. And she was like, ah, what is that? The next you hear that Islamic terrorists went to their home, took the father, I think it's a pastor or something, put a knife to his throat and said he should renounce Jesus Christ, otherwise they're going to kill him. And the man said he, can't, he couldn't do that. Renounce Christ, he said, lie, lie. And they did it in a very interesting way. They killed him slowly, giving him time. They cut his neck slowly. And he told them, no, that there's no way. Ah, like Polycarp. What has he done to me? What wrong will I say the Lord has done that I will deny him? Lie, lie. So they kept on cutting until they killed him. And he refused to deny Christ. When the lady heard it, ah, she was shocked. I thought the Lord said he was going to take care. You know, when God speaks, how to interpret is another issue. What does God say? Don't worry. He's going to be with me. I'm going to take care of him. They will hurt his flesh. I will not let them touch his soul. They will not be able to shake his spirit, which is his faith. That his faith will not shake. So what happened? When they arrived, the spirit possessed the man like Shadrach. Possessed him the way he possessed Abednego. Bow. No, this guy is not bowing. Frustrated the counsel of the ungodly. You must understand that Satan is not interested in your death. He's interested in your denial of the faith. Christians don't understand. That's why they'll be, they'll be advising people. When they put a gun to your head to deny Christ, just deny him. Somebody said, Jesus is not petty. Whether it's petty or not, you have, you have denied him what he's looking for, and you have given Satan what he's looking for. You have given Satan what he came to search. He came to collect your faith. You gave it to him. He said, Jesus is not petty. Whether I'm petty or not, I would like, like to sit down and watch my children insult me on, 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 on stage. Say, Dad is not petty. You forgive us. Come home first. <laughs> that you'll never see a stage again in your life. Nonsense. <laughs> I hope you follow what I'm going to explain here. Listen, a sign of faith is our ability to forgive. 
That's what I want you to understand. That's a sign of faith. Those who hurt in the past, you forgive them now. Why? Because you, are, you know what you are doing? You know, we say you take this number by faith. You are by faith taking your life out of your hands. You don't have that power. You know what Jesus was saying? When he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. You know what he was saying? I laid down my life by myself. That's what he was saying. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Why would he be angry with them? If he thought they took the life without his consent. But he said, I laid down my life by myself. And when the time comes, I will take it up again. He said, this commandment I have of my father. Remember what he said. Peter, what is all of this fighting about? Just by the way, Apostle, remember that I want to discuss um, our gun and uh, bullet issue. That's your brother. That's our friend. Because even though Jesus told Peter to take his sword, he didn't expect him to fight with it. Yes, he said those who fight by the sword who live by the sword, die by the sword. I hope you're getting my point. He said to him, listen, if I wanted deliverance, these people are not big enough. No, they are not big enough. I will ask the father, you must understand, oh, please listen, eh? hey, don't let me go there now, but let me go there small. Hmm? Let me tell you what God wants. He wants us to develop to a level. Listen to what I want to say. That anything we ask, he will give. Anything. You see, Pastor Mark, what's strange about that? But now you're getting to that level. It's not everything you ask for. Jesus got to a level. You must understand the level. And please, this is the quest. This must be the quest of your heart to get to that level. Jesus got to a level. A man who had died four days before that. The son of the widow of nine was raised by a miracle. Jairus' daughter was raised by a miracle. The healing power of God surged through the clothes of Jesus Christ into the woman with the issue of blood. The man that was born blind was raised by a miracle. That his eyes were opened by a miracle. Demons were cast out by miracles. Miraculous power. One thing Jesus did not do by miraculous power was the raising of Lazarus. It was not an anointing. Listen to me, I know what I'm telling you. (laughs) It was not the same way he raised the other people. In that case of Lazarus, it was, I will ask the father, and he will do it because I asked. It was not an anointing issue. I lay my hands on you. I feel the power flow. The power is not flowing in this place. Come, let's go out. Go out and lay hands on him. Do you see? I see men on the street. Lay hands again. Receive! And you're whining the power. In the case of Lazarus, it wasn't like that. Lazarus died. They said that the Jews believed that your spirit hangs around for three days after you are dead. But Jesus said, I will go on the fourth day. When he got there, go and read it. Tell me another one if you know. That's the only time I saw him praying. Father, I thank you for you hear me. Indeed, I thank you for you hear me always. But I said that because of those who... And he told the people... Listen, they are seeing miracles, are they not? He said, but I'm happy for your sake that I did not go when they called me. He said, so that you will believe. What was he trying to explain? He wanted to show them the union he had with the Father. In the case of Lazarus, he raised him as a petition to show how much the Father listens to him. The body that was already decomposing. The, the, the sister said it. It's a fourth day, by now there will be a smell. The stench will have started. 
Jesus said, ah, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he dies. You know what he was saying? Let me tell you the truth. No Christian can die and remain dead unless Jesus approves it. None. Today, I'm talking about today, today. None. If a Christian, the real Christian dies, you pray, pray. Just say, Jesus, I want this one. Said, he that believes in me, though he dies, he shall live again. And they say, ah, <laughs> he shall live again. The last, they say, no, 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 no. I am the resurrection and the life. He, he received Lazarus back as a simple request. He reached a point hmm? that if he asked the father, take the moon, hang it on Saturn, replace the two moons, <laughs> bring us two moons from, uh, which, which, what, what's that planet that has a lot of us? You have joined them. <laughs> I think it should be... I think should, anyway, Saturn has rings. Saturn has rings. Those are gaseous planets. Let's leave uh, that one. Let's come back home. Before we get sidetracked. Anyway, we can ask the Father, please, bring us two new moons. Jesus can ask. And you know what the Father will do? He will ask him when? Today? Or over the next few years? Yeah, bring it next week. Just the celestial bodies will start rearranging. And he has done it before. He did it for Joshua. So the sun starts still. Jesus, Joshua, Jesus said, all right, Joshua, go ahead. The sun starts, the sun stood still. And it's relative to the movement of the earth. And the moon too couldn't move. Let me say this to you. He's building his people to that level. You know, some people think that when I reach that level, where, oh, there's no car won't buy. You see? <laughs> When you reach that level, cars will not impress you. It's like there's a level I've reached now. The different kinds of akara they make, you know, it doesn't impress me. Are you getting my point? Different kind of ice cream they make doesn't impress me. Most of the time, ice cream, I'm not interested. You reach a point, even though now I can eat, I can buy ice cream. If I say, sweetheart, I tell my wife, I want ice cream for breakfast, ice cream for lunch, ice cream for dinner. It won't break the family budget. But if somebody like Paris, you give him that power like this. Just come, sister, man, where's my ice cream for breakfast? Why? He's still a little boy. I hope you're getting my point. That's how it is with those things also. When you walk with God, you get to a particular level. It doesn't impress you the way it impresses children. Children are being you and me today. You will get to that point. You won't waste spiritual energy on trivial things. Please, why did I say all of these things? So when they were hanging him on the cross... He could easily have asked the Father and he would have received deliverance through 12 legions of angels. For information, one angel could handle the whole Roman cohort around there. One angel could. So now get 12 legions while I day for the Romans. And he could have asked, but he did not. What was he trying to emphasize? I laid down the life by myself. So when he said to them, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, it was something he knew and he understood. And why he had to say it is that whether you know it or not, you are judged according to the evil works that you did. So to prevent the sudden destruction of the whole of Jerusalem, he had to ask for that. Because if he didn't, next week is when he will have worked out the place. Yeah, I'm telling you. 
The one that happened 70 years later will have, you know, it still happened. I hope you know that. Yeah, it still happened. You just give them time. You just give them time. 70 years later, they, they destroyed and decimated the whole place. I'm talking about forgiveness. Let's leave Jesus Christ aside for a moment. Let's look, let's, let's leave, um, Joseph aside. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about me. Every place in your life you have refused to forgive somebody, you are giving the person power over you. It's not really that person directly. But you are saying that my life is not fully in God's hands. It's in this individual's life. In her hands. Some people are angry with their father. <laughs> Till today. And the man died like seven years ago. Anytime they remember the man, they'll just be depressed. You won't know why they are depressed. They sack somebody from their office every day to remember their father. Yeah, they get to work. You just do something. Just looking like. Who's the scapegoat that shall bear the sins of my father today? Then the cleaner comes late. They fire the cleaner. Boom! The driver jams keke. You know, just normal scratch. Fire the man on the spot. Each day, he remembers his father. Somebody loses his job. And then one of the children now do something. Now does something. The day he's remembering his father. He will flog. That is, they're like, ah. All he did was to drop your towel when he went to get it for you. That's how careless he is. He's very careless. He's very careless. He's remembering his father. Why? For what the man did to his mother. How he le- <laughs> The man left the house when they were four. And he was the oldest. He was eight years old. They had four children. And he went and married another woman. And he never... You know that kind of thing? Let's be honest. Some father said... Apostle says, stupid. <laughs> you're just angry with them. When they are telling the story of the man, you're looking at him like... You're just wishing you had a gun to shoot somebody on behalf of somebody else. Yes. Now, leave, leave the people you are telling the story to be angry. You. Let me explain something. You know, I, I've said before, God takes what is bad in our past and makes them look like the reason why we are prospering today. If you forgive, God will make that experience look like it's necessary for your progress today. You know why Josmea is so well known? She's not the most anointed human being that ever lived. But she has a unique story to tell. And she says it with freedom. The day I stumbled into her telling her story, even me, tears came out of my eyes. And all the women in the congregation, eh, the no, handkerchief was soaking away. Meanwhile, the woman telling the story, she's there, she's there laughing. <laughs> she just she would tell the story and tell the story about her abuse, her uncles molesting her, her father, this and that and that. And then they say, look at me today. And she's a grandmother. And those who are not there, they are crying. They are still crying. No? <laughs> and the woman is laughing. And just telling the story like nothing happened. God has so healed her. I watched that the other day on TV. I think it's a, is it a 50th or 52nd wedding anniversary? Something like that. Yeah, something like 40 something. You no, know, she's been married now to her husband. This is her husband. She had a husband before. But this is her husband she has now. Married to her for that. In anniversary this past week. When she was telling her story. You feel like going to hug the husband. I said, oh God, God will bless you. Because you're telling her how, how difficult a person she was. 
the first few years after they married. That she do use the man's eye to see eh? Pepe. But the man was so strong, so mature. The way the man handled her. When the, man, when the woman finished describing her husband, you are looking for him to hug him. So, oh God, did God make two of you? Where is the second one? I want to give it to my sister. <laughs> because of, listen, why am I talking the story? The, the, what she went through in life is the reason why she has a ministry today. Now, when we allow God, that's the point I'm making. When we allow him, he turns what looks bad into the foundation for the good in our lives. What is the meaning of forgiveness? Forgiveness simply is a sign of faith. It's a sign of faith. Forgiveness means I'm taking my life out of your hands. I'm saying you don't have the power. It was not you. It was God. I hope you're getting my point. Reuben says, hey, we, we did you bad. He said it wasn't you. You were messengers of God. Judah said, don't be angry with us. He said, no, it was not you. You were messengers of God. You meant it for evil. Yes, there's no doubt about that. But God needed to use that pathway to bring me to Egypt. Where God was going is what is most important. So I'm so focused on what God is doing in my life. I can't be focused on the evil that you have done to me. I'll be getting my point. That is the foundation for forgiveness. You know, in Nigeria of today, oh, should I start Nigeria matter? If I start, you know, say, we'll know we go house. They won't go home. No, we'll still go home, Shah, but let's just brush it a bit. I have an assignment. When I say assignment, I believe it's an assignment God has for all of us, so let me tell us about it. Okay? There's something about being a believer. You know, you have your WhatsApp status. WhatsApp status. You know what they call status? Status update. All right? You'll be posting all kinds of things. There's some of you, I see you, one of our sisters. One day I saw her WhatsApp status. I sent her a personal message. So I've just gone through your status, your pictures, your videos, the messages. Please, when I come here, when I'm leaving, what am I supposed to leave with? I don't know whether you're getting my point. Listen, if somebody comes to your status, how does it leave? Now, listen. Because what she, what she did that time, she posted some pictures. It was during NSAS issue. I said, now, tell me what you have told me now, how it will affect my faith. That this answers, these two people, they are very wicked. I say, I know. But hearing it from you, how is it helping me as an individual? You can't tell me you want me to be aware of what's going on in the country. There's already riot everywhere. I'm already aware. I asked her a simple question. How have you helped my faith? I said, does the Bible not say to you, how blessed on the mountains are the feet of those that bear good tidings. As I have been to your status, are these good tidings? Very good sister, of course, one of us here. She really pulled everything up. Put everything down, put them down, put them down. I said, put something there that helps somebody else's faith. Why didn't you post that there is the sufferings of Christ and there's a the glory to follow? And after this peace in this life, we shall have the best police in Nigeria, in the world. Why don't you post that? Give us hope. Why am I saying all of these things? You see, if your opinion and that of the average man on the street has not born against the same, you are, you are, you are, you are not, you are, I mean, you are sinning. You are working against God. 
I walked to one of our friends' house some time ago. My wife and I went together. And he's a minister of the gospel. When he finished speaking, I said, now I know why the Lord dropped it upon our heart to come and see you today. I said, because you are no longer speaking for God. I told him straight up. I said, sir, I'm giving you the word of God. Stop this thing. Because by the time he finished speaking, and now I'm the kind of finished speaking, I didn't know who was who. People say, eh, what now the kind of saying is right? I'm not arguing about it, but I just don't want to hear from your mouth. God has given you the ministry of reconciliation. That's where I'm going. Everybody has an assignment in life. Like Pastor Courage will say, the opposition, like now, PDP was in power. What was APC called? Opposition. So no matter what good PDP did, they had to disagree. Then APC came into power. And PDP became what? No matter the good that APC does, PDP must not show it. They must always tell you what is wrong. And if there's nothing is wrong, they make what is good look wrong. Like he says, some people are so terrible that they always have a problem for every solution. They have a problem for every solution. Like Pastor Craig, we say, leave them. They are doing their job. They are called what? Opposition. They are called opposition. That's what they are. The church is not the opposition. The church takes the position of Christ. Sometimes I look at, um, you know, Middle East, America and um, Palestinians. And I look at the Christians. I said, sorry, shame on us. That this is our position cannot be the position of the Christ Jesus we read about in the Bible. And I say the, way, the position of Christians take sometimes. They say Christians should support the Jews. I hope you know that thing is not of God. That admonition is not of God. Uh-huh. Okay, so people have not heard it before. Hear it now. When your brethren say that you must support the Jews for to bless, it is a lie against the gospel of Christ. How do I know? They hang it on one particular scripture. I will bless those who bless you, right? But what did Paul say about it? The promise to was to whom? Abraham and his seed. And that seed is whom? Christ. If you want to be blessed, Christ, come to Christ. Bless Christ. Even if you see an unbeliever telling that if you want to be blessed, bless the church. If you see a Christian, help him. It is an error for Christians to say, if they want to be blessed, they will bless a descendant of Jacob. You are high on ignorance. Yeah, you inhale a lot of ignorance. I hear it all the time. It's painful. It's so untrue. Christians preach it. Nigerian preachers, they preach it. Very, very untrue. I say, look at it. If Jesus were to come down to the Israel of today, what will he do? What he will do is to reconcile the Jew and the Gentile. And the Palestinian. Why? Because in him, that's where we're going. In him, the wall of partitioning is broken. That wall, physical wall that separates Jerusalem from the Palestinian areas, he will break it. He will change the heart of the Jew until he loves the Palestinian. He will change the heart of the Palestinian until he loves the Jew. At the end of the day, both of them will be one in him. But Christians don't preach that. They keep on lying to us that God gave the land to somebody. And this is why rejected by God. It's not, it's a lie. That doctrine is of, I'm sorry to say it, it's satanic. 
The doctrine of Christ is everybody has been reconciled in him. He has removed the wall of partitioning. The Jew, the Palestinians, they are one as far as it's concerned. You are either a believer or you are an unbeliever. Or you are an unbeliever. That's all. You know, there are those who brag on the fact that they are Jews. You know, our, our, our Mazi, he said he's a Jew. You know, I want to ask Mazi, say, Mazi, wait. Why are you laughing? Why are they laughing? Because I call him Mazi. Okay, it's our Mazi now. What's your problem? I will know from here. It's our Mazi. Is it because DSS arrested him? Is it Mazi? He's a, no, he's a rabbi Mazi, you know. Mazi came and said, it's it's not necessary. You are backward. You are anachronistic. You are behind the times. There is no brick deal about being a Jew these days. If you come and tell us, I am a believer in Christ Jesus. I am of the new man. I am from heaven. That's what you should be dealing with. Not saying you are going back 2,000 years ago to becoming what? The in thing now is Christ. I hope you're getting my point. But you know why people hide from Christ? Because there are some rhetorics you have. Once you come into Christ, you must drop them. Because what will you start doing? You start preaching forgiveness. Now, that, back to where we began. You start preaching forgiveness. You start telling people, look, this is the path of reconciliation. If you have done evil, do evil no more. We can be brothers. You know, your message will be different. There's an attitude you will have. You start seeing everybody with the eye of pity. See, they are ignorant. They are still in darkness. What can we do to remove the darkness from their faces? Let me just drop something for you that I heard yesterday in my office. There's one guy I referred to him once in a while. Now, please, I do not intend this to be a political statement. It's political, but that's not the reason why I'm bringing it up. I want to bring the spiritual angle. It's one of my junior colleagues. We're talking, he's just analyzing many, many things. He and I, we just say a lot. He said he used to be in Kebbi. He's from Anambra, all right? So he lived in Kebbi. He said when he finished talking to people from Zuru, you know Zuru? You know Zuru? You've been to Zuru before? Did anybody say yeah, here? Okay, yeah, you know Zuru, sir? Uh-huh. It's a part of Kebbi. But you look like a Zuru man. Why have you not been to Zuru? <laughs> They are predominantly Christians. Right, let me just stop talking here because we are streaming. I will have given you emojis, okay? Now, yes, they are predominantly Christians, okay? And uh, so he was talking to those people. <laughs> one guy talked to one particular surgeon who, because of persecution, anyway, make a long story short. Let me just make a long story short. He said, when he's talking to those people, all right, he realized one thing. He said, if the south or any part of southern Nigeria, he's from Anambra State, he said, they say they are leaving Nigeria. He said, listen to me, God will pull you back inside. He said, he made up his mind long ago that if he hear us, he said, listen, go where you want to go. He said, God will pull you back in. He said, because he put you in there in the first place for the defense of certain small, small groups of people that you don't know about. So when they are talking, he said, leave that thing. He said, God put you somewhere. He said, leave. He will drag you back, back inside by force. He said, why? Because he said, let me use his own words. He said, I have seen the reason why he put you there. As a believer, when you are addressing things, that's the point I want to make. Always be sure, all right, that you're not speaking like the average person around you. 
that what is the mind of Christ in this thing I'm saying? What am I saying? So, in Nigeria of today, we need a lot of healing. That people have been hurt is not in doubt. People don't get it sometimes when you are speaking. They think you are trying to imply that some things have not happened. Of course, we know terrible things have happened. But please, we can't let them continue to happen. Because our attitude right now, every, now listen, please, it's not, you know, and you have to be careful when you see evil spirits moving. Yes, you have to be careful when you see evil spirits moving who want to scatter things. Because I saw that that spirit has galloped away from here now. He has not gone to Zioshu. Where is the Boho from? Or your state? Sunday. Uh-huh. Very soon, the guy will tell you that he's, 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 a, he's an Odudu Ama. He's not a, sorry. He's, you know Odudu's father? You know Odudu's father? Lamrudu. Lamrudu is Nimrod. Yes. He will soon tell you that. What, those ones are not Jews. What are they? Jebusites. <laughs> <laughs> That's the revelation. They say they are Jebusites. The point I'm making is this place. There's a spirit galloping around. We shouldn't let it continue. That's what I'm making. Believers, please, you should not, I was going to say you don't have to be popular. You should not be popular with your doctrines. No matter what we want to say, please, you give them the scripture. There's some beautiful thing about scripture. You don't have to reason it. Just paste it there. Yeah, just paste it there. Like in Nigeria today, what should you be pasting there? It's simple. He has made two both into one. Keep putting that scripture there. That he has made, where's that scripture again? Now, Paul was under said it. It's in Ephesians, but you also find in Colossians, of course. Just take that scripture and use it to form a new narrative for people to follow. Ephesians chapter four, uh, chapter two, sorry. Ephesians chapter two. Let me start from verse 13. But I just feel like reading. Let me back up to 11. All right, where we are going is 14. He said, therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called on circumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. Now, listen, all of us right now, okay, that's down here, we're separate from Christ. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, Having no hope and without God in the world. Somebody say, but now. now. Say it again. Now, Now, that but now is the assignment we have as believers. The but. He said, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. How did he do it? By abolishing in the flesh, in his flesh, the enmity, which is a law of commandments containing ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through his cross, by, by it having put to death the enmity. Please go and summarize this and put it on your status tonight, this night, and let it be a regular feature. Everything that's divisive must not come from you. 
No, listen, I'm not talking about whether you are, they attend the truth online. If you find headsmen, go to one village in Enugu, and they kill 10 people. One person that must never post it is you. You know why? You're supposed to be a bearer of what? Good tidings. That's not good tidings. There's enough CNN out there. You know CNN? What's the full meaning of CNN? Calamity News Network. And your name does not look like that. Your own is GD, no, GTNN. What does GTNN mean? mean? What does it mean? Good Tidings News Network. That's what you are. If you have things like that happen, you look for the scripture. Paste your own scriptures. They say, have mercy, O Lord. Let the indignation be over. Let peace reign. That's how I will pray in my house. Let peace reign over this nation. In the name of Jesus. Lord, end the enmity. Listen, there's one thing. I don't know how many of you, but let me not mention the movie so you won't go and watch it. There's one particular movie I saw, an Italian, a mafia movie. So this guy went to the Italian village. So he was, they were showing him around. He said, everybody is dead. He said, all the young people, they are dead. You know, Vendata, Vendata, they're all dead. So you get that you see very plenty of women, some old men, some children, and very few men. Where are they? They said they're all dead. Why? This dawn, we kill somebody. That one will come kill the dawn and his sons and his servants. Then one of the sons of the servants will go and kill that one's children. Make it long so they've been killing and killing and killing so that now all the young men are dead. One vendetta after another. This is the interesting thing about it. Somebody has to end it. And the person that will end it will look like a fool. Bear that in mind. Only the fool can bring peace. Have you got my point? Nigeria needs a lot of forgiveness. And let me tell you, just a time will not allow us. I can start teaching about it and you realize that the forgiveness is not anything special. One thing special, you're not doing anything fantastic. You're just having understanding. You're just having understanding. You know people killed the servants of, Saul, of um, Job. You know that? Yeah, you know? But you know when you finish reading the book of Job, do you want to punish them? There are evil people. I'm not saying they're not evil people. But you leave them to God. But when you finish reading the book of Job, you see, the discussion was between Job and God. And every other person was an instrument. And listen, in the Nigeria today, eh? please, can I just beg those of you who are preachers, please stop preaching politics, stop preaching ethnicity, start preaching Christ. Do you know why? Mo- not many. Most of the things, no. Almost everything you see today is nothing but the anger of God against iniquity. You see Fulani headsmen and farmers clash. Because it has nothing to do with cattle. It has nothing to do with farm. It has to do with adultery. I know what I'm telling you. You will see IPOB or ESN, whatever, have a camp somewhere. They will fight with soldier. Soldier will die. IPOB will die. You know, same bystanders. You understand? We get killed. It has nothing to do with the federal government or the local, the, the state government or Namdekan. Sorry, Mazin Namdekan. It has nothing to do with any one of these people. Because they are judging adultery. I'm judging fraud. I'm judging lying pulpits. That's why I told you, let me say it again. Ah, God, what I'm about to say, I hope it's all right. You know, the other side. See, God has arisen. 
and has begun to judge false prophets. He is going into church and judging false teachers. If you are a false teacher, stop this nonsense. He will retire evangelists and prophets that speak but do not speak his word to the people, but they preach something else. They preach politics, they preach ethnicity, they preach personal anger. He's going to retire them. Many he will judge severely, some he will just retire. That to retire a preacher is simple, remove his ability to talk. Men, listen, you know why he has to do that? That is the problem. Some of us think the problem is political. In Nigeria, we don't have, this is the word of God that I'm giving you. Nigeria does not have a political problem. It has a spiritual problem. The political problems you see, they are manifestations of our spiritual problem. That's why the church, you see why you have to be careful. For many years we tolerated nonsense. Pastors will come to pulpit and be lying. And we will say, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. We leave them alone. I'm not saying we should have gone by ourselves to be catching them. We should have gotten our knees and said, God is enough. You, you have to understand something. God holds us responsible for what we tolerate. Did you hear what I said? Please allow me a few minutes. Because what I'm saying is very prophetic. God holds the people responsible for what they tolerate. You know, it's amazing. God forgive me what I'm about to say, all right? No, I mean, you forgive me all the time, but what I'm going to say is that for going back on, on it again. When this our wizard of Endo, according to Pastor Pizokoti, yes, when he began to make waves, there was a time, you know, I, 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 give that one to Khan, give that one to PFN. They refused to recognize him. They put their foot down. Apparently, they talked to him. He couldn't give them. When did you give your life to Christ? Where? where? He had no answer. He said he was born again from his mother's womb. I was anointed from his mother's womb. This guy is talking nonsense. All right? The only problem is that I felt that it got to a time they should have openly denounced him. They should have. They should have. And then because the church wields so much power in the realm of the spirit, Oh no, the power of the church in the realm of the spirit, if we use it properly, I'll have ended some things long, long ago. But we began to tolerate things. We started having churches where we we're preaching all kinds of lying doctrines, we tolerate them. People come preach doctrines to make money, we tolerate them. They even with the big Pentecostal churches, especially, we began to lay emphasis on numbers, branches, and offerings. For that reason, we began to tolerate nonsense. Now, hear what I'm about to tell you. That's the reason why Boko Haram grew. That's why crisis broke out all over the country. That's why there was no peace to him that went out and the one that returned. So if God is going to restore peace, he has to judge all this nonsense. He will. So that's why I keep on shouting. If you are lying, stop. Because he will judge you. If you started a church to because of money, close it. There's no, just say, brethren, I'm not doing again. I have found a job in Nigerian breweries. I'm telling you, if you start the church so that you can collect offering on Sunday, you will choke on it. You will choke on it. I know I'm telling you. Let them believe me now. You will choke on that money. Why he has to? Because God wants to end banditry. He says, as long as your church stands, I can't do that. So he'll give you time to close it by yourself. If you don't close it by yourself, you'll close it by himself. I only want to close it by himself. You don't like it. 
what I'm telling you. So, Christians, please, when you want to talk publicly, stop this nonsense, political and ethnical, uh, 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 what do you call it, analysis. Go spiritual. Go spiritual. And please leave the current head of state out of it. You know why? His breath is bought in his nostrils. He's but a man. What can he do? Listen, when God wants to punish people, he said, I hand them into the hands of a cruel master. So even if he's a cruel master, ask yourself, why did God give us into his hands? Listen, I believe this is one of the most important assignments I have in this season. Not just to teach the world, which I try to do, but to inform people of what is going on in the realm of the spirit. You want peace in this country? Better have peace inside the church. Doctrine-wise, I'm not talking about uh, stop quarreling. It's like quarrel. In fact, you know, you know what Paul said? There must be quarrel. You know what that's what Paul said? He said, if some of you are walking in the light, some of you are, he said, there will be division. He says, it's a normal thing. We have tolerated a lot of... That's why this is saying, I know some people will not like me. That's their problem. But I'll continue to say what I'm saying. If I see us trying to mainstream a false doctrine or an unimportant doctrine, I will speak against it. The only thing I will know is to call anybody's name. Because that's some of the problems we have as believers. We mainstream wrong doctrines and unimportant doctrines. We, 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 we mainstream it. Look at the way we mainstream this tithing thing. It was not supposed to be a quarrel. If you want to be calculating 10% and giving anyway, it's your bloody problem, it's your money. But people started saying that if you don't do, you will not prosper. If you don't do, you will not go to heaven. Lie! The Bible never says so. God never said it. Why are you making him say what he never said? Next thing you know, you start hearing things like, don't marry a non-titer. Anybody that's not tight cannot be a husband. It's a steal, it's a thief from God. Ah! Which Bible did you read? Suddenly, one of the less important doctrines became center. We now began to fight and quarrel. These are things like, I mean, Catholics have been tightening forever. Did you hear about it? But when we start having projects bigger than us, we're always needing money. Next thing we brought value at their tight. <laughs> what don't we bring? Nonsense. Anything to just, I mean, okay. Okay, sorry I said, but this doctrine of first fruit is in the scriptures. Of course it is not. This is our first fruit doctrine. Is it in your Bible? That Christians collect their whole generous salary and give to, give to church? Wait, it's manufactured? It's manufactured? Why do we invent it? We have big projects. We need more money. The next thing is, redeem your firstborn. You know, no, listen, Jesus is angry. Oh. We may be here laughing, but he's tired. People bring the wages of corruption, the wages of harlotry to us. We collect. Then we polluted everywhere. Then we are blaming Boko Haram. We polluted everywhere. We are blaming IPOB. We polluted everywhere. And that's our problem. They are not our problems. Our problem lies here on the pulpit. Both those of us that, that preach and those of us that tolerate nonsense. I tell you this is, listen, let me be honest with you. Nigeria has over 20, by now we have over 22,000 registered denominations. If you go to a church where they are talking nonsense, stop going. Stop going. There's another church next door. Test them out. The pastor is talking rubbish. You go, leave it, leave it again. So is that how you are? We're going up and down. It's safer. Ah, did Jesus not say if you are persecuted in one city, flee to the next? 
I come on Saturdays, uh, on Sundays, you wear down my faith. I come midweek, you collect my money. I come next Sunday, you wear down my faith. I come on midweek, you, you, t- you collect my money. I've been listening to you for a whole year. Christ has not been described. I'm deeper in my sins than before. And I still go, keep on going back. Abba. Even a goat will understand that. No. That place is not good. Not getting fed. Every time they say, submit yourself for milking. <clears throat> the milkman said, the more you will milk you, the more you will prosper. I have been getting leaner and leaner. And I see come back and I'm a goat. Don't think I'll go to the house where I see grass to chop. Listen, let's stop tolerating rubbish. It has hurt us enough. Let me end this one I'm trying to make when I went into that. It's time to learn forgiveness and to teach and preach it. Let's start with our personal lives. How am I supposed to forgive people? Let me tell you what forgiveness means. It means I no longer look for retribution for you for the evil that you did against me. Now, it doesn't mean I've changed my opinion of your character. People think forgiveness means that a thief is no longer a thief. Is it a thief? If any time you enter my house, <laughs> my phone will disappear. My money will disappear. My clothes will disappear. That's how you are coming. I'm going to lock everything up. Say, why are you not opening the door? Say, you are a thief. Say, forgive me, I'm your brother. <laughs> Say, I forgive you. Let me enter the house. That's foolishness. <laughs> That's not forgiveness. That's foolishness. Forgiveness means that I'm willing to free you of the repercussions for the iniquity that you have committed, for the thing that you have done against me. Since my money you stole, I can tell you to walk away and not pay me back. But I won't let give you another one to steal. Take your father as an example. Father did you hurt. You're a big man now. You don't need anything from him again. But you owe him as a father. So if you refuse to give him as your father, then you have not forgiven. I hope you're getting my point. Because next thing after that line, forgive is give. Did you notice that? The very next verse says you should do what? Give. Is that the one man that <laughs> did my wife strong things? used to work for my wife. She had a worker that did her strong <laughs> The man had called and said, please, I need money. I'm in trouble. I'm calling my people. I asked my wife, ah, is he one of your, are you one of his people? My wife laughed and said, yes, I have become one of his people. And she sent him money. I'm like, ah, that is forgiveness. Because if I were to calculate. In fact, that was why I realized I had not forgiven him. Because I was like, why are you giving him money? <laughs> I realized that me, I had to forgive him. I told you once, something like that happened was also my wife that was involved. So I mean, a couple did that. A strong thing. Bad, strong thing those days. So she was angry. So she went to church and saw the woman in church there. And just looked across and said, Hi! Evil is not good though. Look at how these people are suffering because of evil they are doing. So she wanted to give her money, but she was angry with her. So he called another person and said, Please, see that woman over there? I want to give her money. But... Are you getting my point? Let's, let me not pretend as if we are reconciled. Because what they are doing is bad. I can't give the gist now. And I'm a witness to it, all right? I was in the center of it. What it did was evil. So she gave somebody else money. She said, please go and dash that woman. Food. And don't mention my name. So that one just greeted. I greeted. Ah, how are you doing? And I said, okay. Just laid upon my heart. Who laid upon my heart? We did not discuss <laughs> It's laid upon my heart to give you money. Give the person, ah, that one said, oh, thank you very much. Hug that. They did it. 
I went back and went and continued gisting with her co-conspirator. That's forgiveness. I forgive you doesn't mean you become my friend. You are getting my point. But you're supposed to suffer. I, no, I would not I, I would not want you to suffer. Yes, you sinned, I don't want you to suffer for the sin. I hope you're getting my point. I remember one guy, one story I read him, I don't know, was it Ed Cole? Not Ed Cole. What's the name of this guy? Business by the book. Larry Bucket. Told a story. One guy cooked, you know, he and his friend had a business. So, make a long story short, the business now went bad. But this other friend, let's let's say brother A and brother B had a business together. Business went bad. So brother A now went, talked to somebody. The lawyer and him now agree that since I your brother, your friend brother B has money, let's, let's sue him for the collapse of this business so that we can get money from him. Do you understand? So brother A and his lawyer now went to court and filed a case, suit against brother B. What brother A did not know was that brother B was a master record keeper. So all the documents they had, he had copies. So that guy, the one he filed before the, uh, before the court, he had a lot of critical documents missing. So when they showed up before the judge, the judge, so to his surprise, Brother B and his lawyer showed up with um, complete documents. And they showed, proof to the judge, that this guy was not liable at all. And the judge went through all the documents and discovered that Brother A was lying. That became a criminal offense. So the judge was so angry. So he turned to Brother B and his lawyer and apologized. And asked Brother B, so, are you willing to press charges? Because he was eager to throw that guy in prison. You know, this kind of eagerness. This guy, you you are going to jail. So he turned to Brother B and said, please, are you willing to press charges? Brother B just said to him, say, no, sir. I just want to clear my name. He can go. This really happened in the United States. The judge looked at that guy and told him, said, you are so lucky that the desire of my heart is to have you put in prison. But unfortunately, your friend is not willing to do that. So the judge reluctantly dismissed the whole case and apologized to the other guy. Of course, ruled against this other party. That guy said, you want anything from you? No, he said nothing. Let him go. I just came here to clear my name. The judge looked and said, opportunity to lock somebody up. Now you mess up like this. I'll be honest with you. Let me be honest. Let me, let me not lie. I wanted to put that guy in prison. Now, I just felt that, no, this kind of iniquity should not be allowed to thrive. We should teach, for, for love's sake, just six months in jail, just for the sake of love. You know, sometimes we need to learn a lesson. But let's forget me, my righteous soul. Let's leave me for a moment. Let's talk about Brother B. He was a forgiving soul. He was willing to let go of the consequences. Now, let me just tell you something. When a Christian says you can go, you're in trouble. It's worse. You know what it means? God has not said you can go. God said, okay, now. If you not handle me, vengeance is mine. You know, there are two scriptures there, remember? What's the first one? What's the second one? I will repay. I will repay. That I will repay when it is me. So if somebody says that, no, leave the money, leave the money. You look, are you sure? It's okay. I have left the money, but I feel like blessing you. Give the person the money. Because if it does leave you to God, Jesus is Lord. 
Omo, na die you do. The Lord is good. Have you learned anything today? I've spoken extensively. Let's bow down our heads and give a lot of thanks for the things that we have spoken. I just thank him.